What is happening, everybody? It's another edition of Icy Takes, and we got a full house here. Everybody, congratulations to Jeff for showing up. So, here we go. Congratulations, Jeff. Welcome back. Well, thank you for the applause, everybody. Uh, yeah, back in the uh, back in the saddle again as I overlook my kingdom over uh, beautiful Duquesne, uh, Pittsburgh kind of area above the Parkway. Um, Good to be back. I missed you guys. Um, I'm sure Dave has gotten off a little, little easier in the last couple weeks. That I don't, I'm not making fun of his pirates or anything. So expect a lot of that uh, to return back to the show. But uh, it's nice to be back. Well, it's nice to have you back here too. And you know, Zach, you've been, you've been filling in very well, but you haven't been kind of snapping at me like Jeff does. So that was the only thing missing from the last two weeks. That's true. I mean, I guess, you know, when you just put your nose to the grindstone every day like I do and show up for work every day, it's just, you know, you just heads down and keep playing. Uh, you know, I'm definitely doing my holiday vacation in PTO like you guys have taken from the podcast. So uh, maybe a nice week away will get me back and snapping at you again. There we go. And there just at, go. Uh, just for some reason. Out of boy. So, <laughs> well, I mean, Jeff, I don't know if you've listened to the last two shows, but... Uh, what has become my, my new favorite segment um, has been the beginning where I was just BSing with Zach about my, my softball games over the weekend. And how'd those go? Well, this past weekend was another successful uh, doubleheader sweep. Uh, yeah, we have doubleheaders each week, Jeff. So, um, oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. So we had the, the middle pack games. There's this morning, there's like high noon games, and then there's like early or late afternoon or early evening games like 3 30 ish when we had the high noon games and uh i suffered um from the sun not putting on any protection and i got the little triangle on my head uh from wearing the snapback backwards all day no but uh that did not affect us on the field where we almost all of us were crisp on the field uh making good defensive plays and hitting the ball really well. We scored 54 runs in our two games. Um, 29 to 3 the first game. Jesus. And uh, 24 to 9 the second game. So so you uh, guys we, just like run it up on everybody. You guys don't give a hell. Well, not everybody. Trust me. <laughs> we, put up, we put up 19 runs in the first two innings of that first game. And we, I batted left-handed the rest of the game. So. Wow. I did hit a double left-handed. I was proud of that. I was swing. I was swinging at every pitch. You're you're up that high. You just swing at everything. So the first pitch was like way short of a ball, and I just fouled it off. Kid on my team was saying, "You bet. You should go back to right-handed." Next pitch, I smoke a double into right center. I'm like, "You, how about that?" <laughs> how was uh, the alcohol intake? And if you drank heavily, what were you drinking? So here's the thing. Last week, it didn't get here on time, but it showed up like after the game. I have a beer bong for the team, so if you strike out, you suffer. <laughs> Yikes. But I decided to have fun, and I just took one beer bong before each game, and I probably had about two or three during the games as well, and probably about two or three after. But, you know, you're going to laugh at me for the beer that is drank on this team because I'm not the one paying for it. But you can get a lot for a little of these, and it's not oh my—it's not the 
my worst beer I've ever had. I've had some bad beers. This is not the worst thing, but it's definitely not the best thing. And it's called Lucky Streak. Oh, no, you know what, bud? I know I have a uh, close personal friend of mine who is a big fan of Lucky Streak. And and when I tell him that my podcast co-host drinks it during his softball games, you'll have a big, big fan. All right. All right. But uh, yeah, like I said, like I like I tried it last year and I was oddly surprised. Um, it's not it's not it. bad. Like it's a like I said, it's, it's not going to be something that you're going to tote around as your favorite beer, but I'm right. looking it up right now. So if I'm it, quiet, I'm doing my research. Zach, it, bru- the best way I can describe this is like it's maybe like a rung or two below like natural light. Like once you start getting into like. American light and like all those like Milwaukee's best like yeah. kind of like that oh, category. Lord. It's not like like you almost have to search in the really bad beer section to like find. I would it. I would put it above Old Milwaukee for sure. I would definitely put it above Extra Gold Lager. I think that's the worst thing in the world. Um, I would maybe yeah I'd say right around with like Natty Light, um, but like just a little heavier like it 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 still go down goes down easy but that's just yeah nice. i mean so, have, have you ever had natter days yes i have those? and they, oh, they, natter are, days are, they great. are good but i know just with how, like, how sweet it can be that that wouldn't be good for as many i, I put down yeah that's that's, that's true. true that was but, my yeah. uh that was my beer on uh on vacation uh, oh yeah that's a great that's a great beer that's, that's a great a refreshing beer vacation sure. beer yeah. So, one more thing that I wanted to get into, like I I go over the hitting as well. Um, Zach, you remember uh, I hit my first Yabo, correct? You remember that? Yeah, I do. I'm very proud. What's better? What's better than one? Oh no. <laughs> Two is better than one. But hit- I failed math, so sorry I couldn't answer that correctly. Dan Bosma so, said something like that in 2011. Something like that. But anyway. <laughs> But here's how it works on on this field that we were in. Like I told Zach last week, we were on the fenced-in field, so it's probably 275 in the corners with like 300 in center. It's like not that big of a difference. It's pretty rounded on top, so it's not going to be like your old Minute Maid Park with uh, that hill up in center field. Um, the other field that we were on this this past weekend has no fence, and it goes up until the road, which is probably roughly. 360 uh, a little shorter than that like 300 and like 40 feet just to like the edge and the first one was inside the park home run so i was able to finally hit a ball opposite field and it just went all the way back without leaving the the grass so that was that was nice but the second one you boys would have been proud (laughs) oh Oh, my goodness i like i told zach i'm a sucker for low pitches and this guy was pitching them like all low, he wanted to like hit the plate because the plate and the mat behind it are a strike. So I get the hands out there, the sweet spots at the end of the bat on this one, and it just flies. And the ball was carrying that day, so I get a little help from that. But um, it hit like the middle of the of the road out there, and I asked wow. the guys on my team what they thought, and they were doing a an estimate of like three hundred sixty feet. So, what was the uh, launch angle and the uh, trajectory? Oh exit velocity that, too. That yeah, exit velocity angle was. I'm trying to think of like the, what the apex would be. You know, 
Uh, I would say even higher. I don't want to say 169, but somewhere in that range between 69 and 169 would be my guess. And Tell me you sent that bat to the moon after you hit it. For sure. <laughs> Proud of you. Thank you. Attaboy. Thanks. But, and to, to wrap it all up, uh, a guy that I bowl with was pitching, and he yelled yelled at me saying, hey, you know that ball was wind-dated. I'm like, it doesn't matter how it lays, Brian. It's gone. We'll see you later. <laughs> so yeah, this, wow. this has always been my favorite part of the show now. Um, we'll see how it goes after we lose a game or possibly a doubleheader. Because um, we're getting into like the tough part of our schedule now where we're, we're going to be having some, some better opponents. What you're saying is play. you're playing teams that don't drink as much and take the game a little more serious? Yes. <laughs> so yes. the last three weeks, essentially, Dave's been bragging about how he's just been teeing off on guys who'll be bra- bagging groceries next week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> we we are. I, I would say if we were to take this game seriously and not drink as much, we would probably be able to compete with these guys all the time and split series, no problem, and maybe even get a couple double headers. But that's not in our nature. On the back of our jerseys, which we we just got new ones, like T-shirts, we just got new ones yesterday. We are a beer drinking team with a softball problem. And we are damn fine with that. So if we lo- end up wow, losing man. any one of these games, we're not going to pout about it. We're just going to go on to the next one. And if we don't win that one, well, we just had fun drinking for a couple hours with each other. I was hoping you guys were going to have the Chico's Bell Bonds uh, sign on the back. <laughs> like the Bad News Bears. Bad News Bears. That's incredible. Well, I mean, we don't have that sponsor, unfortunately. But we are the Bad News Bears, Jeff. How about, too, Chico's Bell Bonds? Not to not to go off of what Dave was talking about though, but um, they have been advertised in two different movies. What's the second one? Yeah, I was they, say, what's the, second? the other one, I believe they are in. Um, they're in Major League. I forget if, it, if it's one or two. I want to say it's one because it was it was when Rick Vaughn gave up like, what's the record that he broke like five doubles, five consecutive doubles in one inning or whatever. And Bob Euchre goes like, and that's a fly ball to deep, deep center field. That one's going to go off the Chico's Bill Bond sign and right. That sets a new record for uh, extra base hits in a single a single inning or something like that. Yeah, I have to go back and watch it. Was it from the first major league? I think it's the first one, yeah. Now, Dave, have you reached out to uh, Lucky Streak by chance? I mean, I feel like that would be perfect for you guys. You might not even not- have to pay for beer. Not yet, but I mean, it's pract- you're practically not paying for the beer already. Um, but <laughs> I was I, gonna say, at most, I would save you what twelve or thirteen dollars for a thirty pack. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you're kind of asking for too much at that point. But I don't know, we maybe get, we'll they just... could be a sponsor of the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what I'll. That's what I'll reach out to them about. Not just supplying us. Maybe just we'll throw out their name a little bit. They're brewed by Anheuser Busch. If you didn't see that, Zach. Uh, yeah, I did actually see that. It's the first I've, I'm hearing of this uh, brand coming from them. Um, but that said, if they, if they sponsor the show or in, in any capacity, or even your softball team, I will pick up some myself, and I think you guys know what a beer snob I am. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, but I think that was enough of me talk. 
and I would like to get into maybe can we get a little short version, Jeff? Because I know we kind of went too far with mine. Um, can we get a little short version of your vacation? Um, yeah. So first four days, or no, not four days. First three days, it rained, so a lot of hot tub and pool stuff going on. By Wednesday, I was having fun in the sun. Um, I will say my basketball jersey game, which if you, for those that don't know, I don't wear like like tank top t-shirts or cutoffs like the like the average male at the beach. I am a big basketball jersey guy just because it has like a little flair to it. Um, so my basketball jersey game at the beach was uh, was rolling pretty good. Um, the the favorites seem to be uh, New York Knicks Patrick Ewing uh, away jersey with like the blue and the orange numbers. Um, right. So yeah, so had the had the beach the pretty much the duration from like Wednesday to Wednesday to Friday and um, other than that, not too much to write home about. Um, I had a little scuffle with a Chick Fil A that um, maybe at the end of the show we can get into. I don't want to get into it now because we're kind of running long on this, but. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, it was a good trip. Didn't have to go to work for a week, so that was probably the my second favorite thing I did uh, during the whole thing. The obvious number one thing was that I spent a week with my girlfriend straight, so um, How that you? was pretty cool. Yeah, so so there you go. Um, good to hear. Yeah, so yeah, had a fun time, and, uh, you know, it's time to get back in the saddle and, you know, start doing uh, real-world stuff again. I'm looking forward to Zach's vacation now after hearing that because I know he's jonesing for one. <laughs> I actually do have uh, Virginia Beach on the calendar as of right now for um, the 17th through the 20th of July. But, I mean, obviously that is subject to change with everything that is going on currently. But, uh, you know, I'm a hopeful guy in some instances and hoping we can pull that one off. There you right. go. Sounds good. So, Guys, the NHL lottery decided to be held over this past weekend. Why now? I'm not really sure. Um, I know that I didn't watch it, but just I've heard about it. I've seen uh, where the teams are placed, uh, one through eight. And it looks like every team was uh, you know, pretty much included. There was going to be one team that doesn't really have its spot yet in the playoffs, but it's only seven teams not being in the COVID Cup playoffs, um, one of these eight teams was uh, going to be one that's not in the mix yet until they lose. And they happen to get the number one overall pick in this draft. Uh, the Sabres go number eight. The Devils go number seven. Ducks go number six. Senators go number five. Red Wings go number four. Senators go again for number three because of their trade with the San Jose Sharks. Kings get number two. And probably the most NHL thing to happen in the draft lottery placeholder team gets the number one pick in the 2020 lottery. I, I, I don't know how 2020 can get even more weird with all the sports that's happening right now and just the whole pandemonium that we've been through. But guys, what do you think about placeholder team? I mean, they're in a pretty good position to, to get a top tier player this year with the number one pick. What do you guys think? I love it. I I love this chaos that has happened. And um, I mean, as a Penguin fan, part of me is like, I'd be okay with them not 
winning in the first round and then being in that lottery um, for a few reasons. You Penguins would backdoor their way yet again to a, a number one overall pick that would come right in with the, the amount of talent that they have. So, it, you know, once 87 and 71 decide to move on from their NHL careers, you still have a young stud star of a player in Alexis Lafreniere. Um, two would be that they would get the number one overall pick after they've already traded their their first round pick to Minnesota for Jason Zucker. So that takes everybody else off. And I just like the chaos that this has just caused. I mean, uh, we were talking before the show what we thought like right away when we saw everything. And um, I just laughed in the back of an Uber when I saw that that Detroit, after doing their best tank job possible, didn't get it. Ottawa had a 25% chance with the two picks they had. Couldn't get it. Um, and L- L.A., who, again, they were they were having a pretty rough year. They still couldn't get it. Um, I just think it's hilarious that's going to go to a team that is, in theory, in the playoffs because they're still playing. But um, I, I, I just find the whole thing hilarious, and, I, and I'm liking every minute of it. Yeah, I also have to agree with that. I mean, just the, with the way everything's unfolded this year, I mean, Surely you didn't expect this to go down any other way, right? I mean, clearly it was an absolute shock um, to actually see it happen live. I mean, granted, I was consuming several beers at the time, so just more or less being stunned and screaming to find out that that happened. But uh, you know what? A lot of me, like Jeff said, I'm pretty much go Habs go right now. Um, it's set, it's setting up to be the perfect storm, too, because I saw some rumors that uh, Carey Price is still pretty uncomfortable with playing, and he's not entirely sure yet. Um so, you know, that would mean that they'd start, I think, Charlie Lindgren's their backup goalie. And you know how the Penguins fare against backup goalies. Uh, they will make him look like a Vesna candidate, uh, a Vesna finalist. So, uh, yeah, who knows? The Penguins could have another generational talent coming their way. Best player in Pittsburgh since 84, boys. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, all it's, right, just, so... it's so absurd because, again, you look throughout Penguin history and, like, and this is all based off of, like, assuming the Penguins would win this lottery if they would lose in the first round. But, like, you every time you think the Penguins are done or they're, as a franchise, are just, like, completely shot, this happens. So, like, they had their, their back-to-back cups and then all of a sudden, like, you know, okay, maybe maybe they're on the downswing. Maybe 87 and 71, the window's closing. Yeah, until they look, like... They lose in the first round. It's another lost opportunity to win a cup until you get back into a lottery for the first overall pick and you get to essentially rebuild your franchise while winning. Like, that is just the most incredible thing to happen to a franchise. And I think why I would subscribe to this is because I just more so love seeing the anger on the internet and, you know, the Flyers fans that are already like, oh, you almost moved so the league gave you Sidney Crosby and – Oh, you guys, uh, you know, tanked against the Devils for Mario. And it's like, you know what? This could happen again. And right. I'm all for it. And, so. don't, forget, and don't forget, too, uh, Yarmir Auger also told every team that he's not coming over until he got to Pittsburgh. And he's like, yeah, if you draft me, I'm definitely coming over. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's, right, just, so. it's just absurd. So, I, I do have a problem 
with the way they they just did this lottery because it's basically only one thing I can think of of how it unfolded this way and why they decided to do it this way is another cash grab. You get another TV spot of announcing the other eight teams um, in the mix after they lose in the first round. So one of these eight teams that's going to lose has a 12.5% chance of getting this number one pick. And they're going to find out just based off of who loses. Because I don't think that you can um, possibly already have these teams picked out for who's going to be receiving this number one pick until all these teams lose. Now, there might be some speculation as like the NHL making sure a certain team gets it because if there's any of these eight teams of the 16 that are playing right now, who is one of the teams that would benefit the most aside from the Penguins? Because this could be really unfair to a lot of like these other teams that sucked, but how pissed is Detroit going to be if Edmonton gets it? How well, pissed is Ed- Ottawa going to be if Winnipeg gets it? And then so on and so forth. So, um, so Dave, let me let me ask you something. Um, give me a list of four teams that you think are going to be upset because they they didn't get it, and maybe like a team like like you mentioned Pittsburgh or Edmonton or I don't know. We'll throw like. We'll throw Calgary in there or Winnipeg, whoever else is playing in that playing round. Give me like four teams that that you feel are justified that should be able to get it that aren't. Detroit. Okay. Ottawa. Okay. And I say Ottawa only because they had two spots to get it because San Jose was already in there. So I'm going to lump Ottawa in there with San Jose as being choice number two. So choice number three. You could say the, the L.A. Kings, and uh, not really that I want to throw in a fourth team, but you could argue that, like, the, the Ducks, maybe. I'm not going to throw in the Devils. They just got Jack Hughes last year, so, no. I'm okay, okay. with where they where they sat there. But there's – I'm not saying these teams deserve it. I'm just saying these teams should be outright pissed off because of how poor of a year they, they've had, whether t- tanking or not. Um, I mean – Seriously, what happened to the Red Wings? It's just it boggles my mind of how bad they are right now. They were they were they, the the thing that, that I'll say the the thing I'll say regarding the Red Wings and why I don't feel bad for that franchise is because they went on a run of twenty four straight years of playoff hockey. Mm-hmm. They they were the only people that were able to get the Russian hockey players over from the Soviet Union when they're at their primes. They they had abundance of Hall of Famers come through that that franchise. I mean, you look at that 2002 Cup winning team, that was the New York Yankees of the of the National Hockey League if if there is ever close to one in the modern era. Maybe you could argue the 91-92 Penguins, but in terms of within the last 20 years, the Detroit Red Wings were the New York Yankees of the of the National Hockey League. So, in terms of that franchise, I could give a hell if they rebuild within the next 10 years. Because, but quite frankly, you asked, you've had your success. Now it's time for you to, to suffer the way every other team in the league has to suffer where they have to rebuild themselves. You and had asked um, what team should feel pissed off. Not who I feel bad about. These right, no. I'm, have I'm the just, right to be pissed off. I'm just saying why I don't feel bad for these teams. As far as the Ottawa Senators are, I do feel bad for them a little bit. 
that maybe they deserve it because they've had a, I mean, since Chris Coonan scored that goal in double overtime in game seven, those fans have had a ride to deal with. And I feel kind of bad for the fans there. Not necessarily the owner because he's an asshole, but, you know, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it is what it is. Um, there's people also saying, like, oh, I feel bad for Montreal because they could have been in it. They could have finally had that, that uh, the, 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 the homegrown French-Canadian superstar again that they haven't had in a long, long time. F them. They got 24 cups. It's time for mm-hmm. them to kind of, kind of feel bad and, you know, not feel too great about their franchise. So um, maybe L.A. too, but, I mean, they started their rebuild quite, quite some time ago. So um, I don't necessarily feel bad for them either. I, I don't know. Like, it's really hard for me, especially as a Penguin fan. Um, we've had some very dark moments, especially early on in the, in the franchise's history when all these other franchises were winning cups and being successful and, you know, not having to worry about their team ever moving. So, I, I mean, when, when teams are as bad as what Detroit and Ottawa are, it's really, really hard for me to feel bad for those teams. And, and I'm not saying I feel bad for them at all. I'm just saying they have the right to be pissed off this year based off how they have played and what where they are as an organization right now. I don't think having two decades of success should negate the chance of you having the number one pick because of how pissed poor you are right now because of what has happened this year with the pandemic and everything else and how they're running the the playoffs this year. I think it just would have been the most fair concept to wait until these games are played in the first round and then do one through 16 of the lottery or one through 15, I should say, because they've done, what was it? One, one through eight with one of these eight teams um, that's playing right now is going to be filling that spot. So seven teams, left you're going to be getting the the rest of them on another uh cash grab of an nhl lottery night um i just think because of you know revenue being lost everywhere because you just don't you're not having your product out there on the ice on the field whatever it may be so this is their way to get that tv revenue back in and stage another event by having this number one team be a team that hasn't even lost in the playoffs yet so you can have a team like the Penguins, who have the seventh most points in the NHL, possibly get that number one pick with a 12.5% chance because of what had happened with the pandemic this year. I just think it's unfair to those teams that now suck. I mean, it could be just be roster construction based off I mean, of the, the thing. Like piss poor decisions unfair. and everything else like that. But I just think it would be unfair to the teams that really suck this year. I mean, like I said, life is unfair. I, I agree with you, though, that this is kind of a revenue grab. Um, but I think that's what makes it exciting. And, and I think even um, to just go into the offseason, had they not even decided to pick up and do this again and resume the season, God forbid, like a second wave had hits or whatnot. This is just a way to get more people engaged and a way to make more revenue. And, and that said, I mean, I, I agree with Jeff in the sense that, yeah, the Penguins have been screwed enough times that I can remember, especially in the early days. And when you watch the... Uh, Pittsburgh is home documentary where it pretty much just breaks down how shitty the early years of the Penguins were. Um, that said, yeah, I, I don't feel bad for any of these teams. It, it, it's unfair, sure, but I mean, yeah, I'm selfish. Like, let's go Pens. Like, I, I, I love the excitement. And I think this does good for the game in terms of getting like some outside fans into it as well that probably wouldn't have been invested if it was just like, oh, we'll pick up by standing. So here's how this falls into play. 
but I think this year you throw out everything and in, in terms of, you know, just everything's so weird. Like we hockey is scheduled to come back, but with the way States and everything, like the second wave, that's kind of slowly starting to hit. We don't know if we'll, we'll even get that. So I think that they need to play into a little bit of the drama because they don't even know the, the, the certainty of their own sport as the players still have to vote on everything. So, you know, I, I'm for this and I definitely think it's a nice, interesting uh, way to do it this year. I mean, like I said, life sucks for those teams that, you know, have been constructed poorly or have not uh, been successful as of late. But, I mean, I think this is overall good for the league. And as far as a cash grab, too, I mean, if there was a sport that, like, that that should be doing cash grabs like this, why not the NHL? Mm -hmm. Because, like, I mean, the NFL NFL does this time and time again. Nobody blinks an eye. But the minute this happens in the NHL, it's like, oh, look what a gimmick league this is. It's – no, I mean, why not? Sparks some interest, making a talking point. I mean, we've, we, I don't know if you guys have talked about this um, the two weeks I was gone, but Max Kellerman saying nobody in, the, in America cares about the NHL. Well, here you go. Here's something to talk about, something different. Mm-hmm. There's, a te- there's literally a team that we don't know. And I sent this to my buddy. I sent him a picture of Mark Shifley when he got drafted, when he had the, um, the NHL jersey and the NHL hat when he got drafted because the Winnipeg Jets didn't have a logo yet. So, I mean, like, I, I think it's, I think it's, it sparks interest. And again, it's 2020 this year has gone completely to shit. Why not the NHL draft and why not everything else that's going on in the world right now? I, I understand what Zach was saying with, you know, if there's that second wave, because what, I think the NHL has already tested their players and based off a headline that I saw earlier, um, 26 players have tested positive for the virus since phase two began on June 8th. And that's a, a month in while we're still waiting on h- how to even get into playing these games successfully in hub cities that haven't even been picked yet. Um, you, you have the, like the heavy favorites, but they're not for, they're not set in stone just yet. And I just thought that this was not, not a gaffe by the by the NHL but it's the most NHL thing that can happen when it comes to a year like this where a team that still has a chance to win the Stanley Cup could also get the number 1 pick but that only happens if they lose in this like play in round essentially which you know if you look at standings across like if you go on Google all the teams that are in the play in round are saying that they clinched a playoff position so a playoff team technically by technicality, is going to get the number one pick. It's just it's bo- mind-boggling to me. It's hilarious. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. And, and honestly, we, we keep saying it, but but uh, I just want to hit home that I, I feel like the NHL has been one of the – has always been known as the most like predictable sport in terms of whether you think about it as labor disputes or how things go down and you know where the players stand on things. Like I, I could have told you, I would have thought the NHL would have had been the first league to talk about money issues and whatnot, not, not baseball. But the fact that the NHL was the first with their return to play plan, uh, while much of it is still being instituted, the initiative it took and in the, in the, I guess, the overall cooperation they received on top of uh, this creative uh, draft lottery uh, initiative kind of thing, I definitely didn't expect that from hockey this year. So, Dave, while you say that. Uh, you know, it's not surprising that NHL would do something like this. To me, it is kind of surprising just because I feel like they're, they've are they always been so predictable in terms of how everything's handled that I'm actually surprised we are at this point. And technically, we, we could be seeing live hockey in about uh, a month, under a month. 
So. Right. I'm not. I'm not saying like no. Trust me. I was surprised with how the NHL was that first lead to come out and say, "Hey, here's our plan to do it. We're gonna see if we can get this done." Because we had talked about it before, where we thought the the NHL was kind of riding the coattails of the NBA, um, doing what they were probably going to do and just follow suit with them. The NHL has been taking some steps forward this year. What I'm saying is how not non-predictable or how predictable this was with placeholder team, uh, team E, I guess, getting the number one pick this year is you look at just past lotteries and how, you know, what was it? Buffalo was supposed to be the winner of the McDavid sweepstakes, but Edmonton comes in with it. Um, I mean, what the Penguins have a much, have a larger percentage chance um, to get the number one pick if they were to lose to the Canadians this year than they did whenever they got Sidney Crosby in that year's lottery. Now, does that kind of boggle your mind a little bit? If the Pens were to lose this, they have a better chance to grab the number one pick this year than they did when they won the number one pick for Crosby? I'd say no, because that lottery was Sidney Crosby. And Zach, correct me if I'm wrong here, but did that not have every team in the NHL had a chance at Sidney Crosby? Yeah, I, I was pretty sure that was open to the entire league. Yeah, that was that that was a different situation because there was there was um there like they opened it to everybody in the in the league, so obviously your percentages go down a little bit. So um, I don't I don't know it. I I think that there's there's definitely both ways to look at this, but I mean I think it's going to be pretty cool that. Alexis Lafreniere has the possibility to be going to a team that he can win with right away. That and it's something that you don't see a lot with uh, first overall picks. You know, you always see them go to go to teams that are rebuilding and need help. And um, I mean, Jesus, look at what Edmonton did with Taylor Hall. Like they had Taylor Hall, and they completely squandered the first half of his career because mm-hmm. they couldn't just build around him. I mean, this kid's just going to be a puzzle piece, and somebody's winning winning program right away. There's not like a, a three-year plan or a four-year plan. Like where he goes, they're going to be ready to win now. So um, I think that's something else to, to look look at that's going to be very, very exciting. And well, also correct me if I'm wrong, but like even in a worst-case situation, well, I mean, I guess it's not really a – it's kind of a win, win-win either way. But even if the Penguins lose to the Canadians, they're still going to end up with a pretty nice pick. Right, like they would still end up with one of the top twelve picks. I, I still think that they have a chance to not have the the first round pick um, if they were to lose. Jeff, I, I forget what the technicalities were of that deal. I'm, so I'm not, I know they they sent away their first pick, and I think the only condition on it was like it was protected if it was like a top three pick or something, which um. In that in that sense, I think if the Penguins would win and not get get the um, the first overall pick, I think then that that still goes. I think I'm not sure. So I mean, yeah, I'm not sure if the Penguins still get a first round pick unless it's the number one. Um, and I think we've spent enough time on this that maybe we can just tell everyone next week about it. How about it? <laughs> Sounds good. Works for so, me. I mean, as as much as I would like to make a prediction on who will get the number one spot, we still got to wait for these playing games to be played. So um, I think, unless you guys have anything else for hockey, that that'll do it for me. 
Yeah, I think so. There's not a whole lot to, to really talk Jason about. Jason Botterill, uh, former uh, assistant GM to the Penguins, is now a free agent after Buffalo let him go, but that's really the only thing I can say. Yeah, that was pretty big news, and I mean, he got... I think he kind of. He got was considered a cap guru uh, in in Pittsburgh, so you know, I I think he'll land a job rather quickly once things uh, return to normal uh, in quotes. But uh, he's definitely a highly sought out person that I can't see having another position aside from GM or assistant GM somewhere. Yeah, so Zach, I, I did want to ask you about this with the whole stuff about Bottle coming out and everything. Um, do you th- do you think this is a a um, Pagola family problem now? Yeah, the way they fly through coaches and mismanagement. I mean, I, I'm sure there's numbers about, you know, how frequently they've been going I mean, through organization on, changes, but it's insane. On, I, and it's not even just, like, hockey. It's also, like, on the football side with, like, the Bills. Like, these guys yeah. – this this family came in. They were supposed to be the saviors of Buffalo, and now, like, like they couldn't be the furthest thing away from winning right now. I mean, I mean – it's almost getting to the point where, like, I'm expecting Jack Eichel to be asking for a trade within the next three weeks. Well, I was because of say, the- I could legit see Jack Eichel not on this team uh, next year. Like, I yeah, I think there's serious legs to that. So, so I mean, I I, I just think that I I think the the Pagola family is trying to surround themselves with a bunch of cronies, and I just don't think that they're because uh, Kevin Adams, I guess, has worked with them for for an extended period of time or whatever, and that they trusted him as being the new GM. So, um, you know, it just it just seems like it seems like they're trying to win, but they they won't let people do their jobs. They can't get out of their own way. Exactly. One hundred percent. Yeah, I just I, I find that fascinating with Botterill just because he was tapped as having like top potential as one of the future bright uh, young GMs of the, of the game. And, and, and surely I don't think what he did in Buffalo is, uh, you know, a reflection of him so much as it is the Pagula family, but you know. Um, one thing that I've been curious about all of this, and this is with Botterill and everyone else that has kind of abruptly lost their job during the pandemic is why the hell are they getting fired now? Um, there, like, there's gotta be more to it. Like you were saying with the Pagulas, maybe having some cronies that are kind of maybe pushing them in the wrong direction, but why is it that there's been executives getting fired now when they're not even in the middle of anything? It just seems that it was just poor timing based off the organization's point to just not wait until the season was, you know, technically over. Um, but it seemed like with the Sabres, they're just they just kind of waited it out and waited it out. And there's been other teams before that. Uh, granted, I think the Sabres were in a better position because they're not in the play-in round, so they can kind of do what they want with their front office. But why is it that some of these executives are getting the can now? So I was hearing rumors that it did have to do with Jack Eichel that um, because the wife, Mrs. Pagula, came out and said that um, – that Botterill was coming back. That was like three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago. And then just came out of nowhere that, okay, he's fired. So the rumor was that it had something to do with Jack Eichel or someone went back to ownership and said, like, we need to make another change or whatever. And they weren't going to change the head coach. So, 
Um, that's what I had heard, but I mean, with the Sabres right now, they're just so hard to predict at this point. I just honestly find it so weird, uh, and I, I agree with Dave on this. It's, it's like, you know, I'm not trying to use the virus as a uh, scapegoat, or as Michael Scott would say, an scapegoat. But um, I almost feel like these are times where you shouldn't be laying people off or firing them. Um, well, laying people off, I mean, in terms of like higher level upper management staff, um, like kind of like John McDonough with the Blackhawks. Like that kind of came out of nowhere. This Jason Botterill thing, and I think someone from the Bulls or whatnot got let go too. Um, but it, it just seems crazy where you almost think people have immunity during this time period and the sport isn't even being played. So it, it, to me, I mean, even if that rumor has legs, like why, why couldn't you do that in a couple of weeks? I mean, realistically, the Sabres are still going to be the Sabres in a couple of weeks. And I think that could, decision could have waited until at least hockey was being talked about or at least, you know, the resumption of like full blown camp had started. But that's just, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I'm just, I'm confused by it, but um, it it's happening. You know, nobody's job is safe, basically, even during a pandemic, right? <laughs> yeah, seriously. sure. So, all right, I think that'll, that'll do it for a little bit of hockey talk. With, uh, now with baseball. Um, Baseball's back. Much, yeah, I mean, baseball is back. We did go over this uh, last week, Jeff, with, because it was Monday night that it happened, and we recorded Tuesday and put up the episode Wednesday. So we went into that and just basically how, you know, my prediction might be correct, and I think, Jeff, you were on board with me with this too. I can't remember that we are going to have a shortened season this year, and we are going to have a lockout next year. And I think you were even – you were mentioning the lockout back in 2019, but we weren't sure if we were going to get it this year because of the, the disputes in – it kind of came into fruition, what, you know, whether it was forced or not. Not sure. Probably forced a little bit on one end. But we're going to have baseball this year and probably not next year. But let's focus on this year, shall we? Um, how about the, the players that have already been tapping out of the season? There's So far, uh, since I last checked, there have been uh, two players that have bowed out of the 2020 shortened season and spring and spring training 2.0. Um, one of them, and they're um, high-end names, um, maybe not the most talented player at their position, but you you recognize the name if you follow the sport of baseball a little bit. Uh, the first one being Arizona Diamondbacks pitcher Mike Leake. He became the first MLB player to opt out for the 2020 season. Um I guess, you know, having talks with his family and everything else, they decided it was best um, for Mike to say that he um, does not want to play this year. He says he wishes the best of luck and health for his Diamondback teammates this season, and he's looking forward to 2021. Um, because he's not considered a high-risk, a player that is high-risk of contracting the, the virus, he will not be paid this year. Um, he's opting out what would have made $5.6 million over the 60-game season. Uh, would have been $16 million if it was a full season. And he has a mutual option for next year, uh, which is, will be the final year of his contract. So, guys, um, when you hear a name like Mike Leake be the first one to opt out, not the highest tier name, but not, um, you could say, like a, a Joe Schmo and nobody out there, what, do you, what kind of trend do you think that could potentially set? I don't know if uh, it's 
sets a trend quite yet, but um, I don't know. I think it's just it, it, it's someone who sat down with his family and realized, hey, you know, maybe it's in my best interest and my family's best interest to sit down. I, I genuinely think there's there's players that do want to play, um, but having said that, I, I also think there's owners and um, – you know, players that that are trying to use still negotiate without being at the negotiation table. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I really don't know how I feel about players sitting out and stuff, too, because, I mean, there's frontline workers that go to work every day to try and make things better for everybody, whether they're they're working in the medical field or, you know, first responders, stuff like that. Um, you know, it, it would it would be nice for the, for athletes to say, Hey, you know, we kind of have a responsibility here that the country kind of needs sports back to ha- just have something positive. look look forward to. We've seen like what baseball did when, when nine 11 happened in New York, like how, how, how it helped everybody heal from that. Like who's to say that, that sports coming back wouldn't help, you know, the country get kind of get some normalcy back or just have something to look forward to because, I feel like we've hit a, a spot with this whole pandemic and everything where it's just kind of like you get through your day, you come home, and then that's it, you know? So um, I, 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 I just don't know. I, I, I feel like that, we're, that if – unless they're, they're told you have to play, that, you know, what's going to be the perfect condition for these, these athletes to come back? Because – that's what it seems like that they're waiting for. Not that I want like player medical conditions released or like their, their status of being at risk, but I, I would hope that at least in some capacity they're making the decision because they would either affect themselves, which is obviously you should be looking out for number one, and two, uh, your family. I, I think if it's more of just a I don't want to play because like Jeff said, there's like, you know, still I you know, I think there's still some negotiations that they're trying to do on their own terms or they want to feel quote unquote wanted. Like, I, I think that's some BS, but I mean, I, I think if you're legit at risk um, or, you know, there's a family member and you said, Dave, I think that Mike Leake doesn't qualify, which is why he won't be paid this year. Yeah. I mean, he, he is not considered at high risk, so he will not be paid this year, but if he were to be high risk and I believe anyone in his immediate household would be considered high risk. I think that's where you get your salary. I'm just not sure if you get the full prorated salary like they were negotiating for so long or if it is like a version of that prorated salary. Understood. See, I, I think a lot of it would, in my opinion, I, I think it's fine if you make a decision if you're at risk or, or an immediate family member is at risk or you know, you're just trying to make it smart, but but I also think that there's a lot of players that just don't want to play just for the sake of not wanting to play. Um, I, I will say that uh, with Mike Leake announcing that, I, I believe more dominoes will start to fall. I, I don't know if you'll get the big-name players, though some have spoken out. I think Clayton Kershaw was one of the ones that spoke out about it. Um, but, I, but I think it just takes one player like that to kind of get the trend going. Now, I don't expect a ton to opt out. I'm sure several are actually glad that baseball is back, but I think you'll get a couple more players that maybe even lower level, lower tier, not as well known guys will probably make that decision as well. And I mean, that's completely up to them, but I think Mike Leake in a sense by being the first kind of opened some doors to do that. 
Yeah, so looking over, because I, I mentioned another player, Ryan Zimmerman had also announced that he will sit out this season citing family concerns. Now, he has, as what he was saying, uh, three young children, including a newborn, and a mother at high risk in his household. So I'm trying to find if they mentioned about himself getting paid because of having someone in the, like I said, the immediate household um, being at high risk. But all right, a high a high risk player who opts out will have the option to rejoin his team later in the campaign if the team physician and an MLB joint committee approve. Um, players not deemed to be high risk will reportedly be ineligible to return during the regular season or playoffs. So basically, Mike Leake is out for the 2020 season no matter what. Um, but Ryan Zimmerman can still come back during any part of the season if the team physician can approve it. So I guess that's where the the bottom line is drawn there. So you don't get paid if you don't – you get your service time, but you don't get paid. Gotcha. Uh, so, I, I mean, I don't I don't want to pretend to know Mike Leake's family situation, but why Zimmerman's not playing seems to make a lot more sense to me. And maybe that's just because I know, you know, you just listed what it was, but I understand not playing with that, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's an article on the score that I was getting the information from Mike Leake. It goes into um, quotes that Mike had, like some discussions that he had had between um, the front office and his family and all that, so... I didn't really get into much of the details of that, but that can be viewed there as well. Um, So I think we're going to be seeing a little bit more, not too many. I think um, if we kind of want to rank it, like if you want to put your like top tier fantasy players in there, I would say most of them are going to be out there playing, but there is a chance that some of them will either just go the Mike Leak route where it says, hey, I don't think it's, it's worth it. Like I'm looking out for myself and my family, although none of us are high risk, it can still happen. And then you have Ryan Zimmerman who um, has some high risk potential in there who I think just based off that, um, that conversation wanted to play, but is choosing not to. So do we have anything else for, for this segment or we good? I'm, I'm good. Dave, did you, uh, did the Pirates announce their, like, player pool or whatever today? They did yesterday. Um, and it's not the prettiest, I, I'll tell you that. But at least gonna, there's a player pool out there. I was going to say, I was going to – I couldn't find a list for it. But I was going to screenshot it to to the group text, which we were having issues with. But I was going to send it to the group text and uh, use a line from Major League that – uh Half of these guys I've never heard of, and the guys I have heard of are way past their prime. Major League, right. anybody? First one? No? Uh, no, okay. no, I get it, but, <laughs> I mean, you've been gone for two weeks, and I was getting used to not having to hear this BS. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I, I looked at the Braves roster, and I started you know, rubbing my hands like an evil genius, thinking, here we go, boys. All we, all we need is like half the Nationals roster to say they're not playing, and we'll be, we'll be set. Well, here's the thing. You're you're sitting in the AL East division as well. So you still yeah. got to battle through those tough pinstripes. Now, I'm not saying the Braves can't overcome those New York Yankees, those damn New York Yankees. But I wouldn't just be licking the chops just yet because the Nationals players, half of them, well, not half, but some of them might not be playing this year. Yeah, and continually, too. So uh, how about I, I started a franchise on the show just because I, I was just bored yesterday? 
what is what is MLB's deal as like a whole of like the baseball community? They just dog the Braves openly. Like the <laughs> the ratings on on that game for the Braves are, are just awful, just terrible. Um, and you have MLB twenty, the show, correct? Yes. What is, what is their actual rating? Because I can tell you that's one team I have yet to play with. I like it. It just was like underwhelming. Like they like I feel like Ozzy Albies is like incredibly underrated in that game. Um, like the pitching staff, like Mike Soroka wasn't given that great rating despite being a Rookie of the Year candidate. Um, I, I don't know. Just like overall, like when I was going through the roster, I was like, "What the hell is this? Like this is garbage." <laughs> but you know, whatever. We'll win the East again this year, and then you know. A lot of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, three years in a row. Suck on that one, Dave. Um, you're already putting the the Braves over the Yankees. No, they're in a, they're just you're still having your three divisions. You just play outside of your division, right? Like it's not. No, like, they're they're combining these divisions this year. I did not hear that. I haven't heard that yet. I was still under the assumption it was still the three leagues, Universal DH. And because you only play the the AL East like yeah, four times or whatever, you play twenty games outside of your league, your division so by one, playing the AL East opponents and playing forty within your own division. Yeah, so I, I don't, I I feel like that's not setting up to be everybody being the same the division because if you're that would I feel like you would have to be more balanced if, if it's going to go that way. I would have to look it up. I may have misinterpreted that information when it I came think out. It, I, thinking, I, I'm not, I'm not dogging you on this, but I think you have because I haven't heard anything saying that those are combined. I just assumed that they were, that was like to fill in the quote unquote interleague play. And and that could be it because I know they're just trying to limit the travel this year with all the teams. I just the way they were, I had read it on maybe an article by putting all the teams together in one where it just said Central, East, and West. That's how I thought it was going to be played this year. Right, right. I mean, that that's it. And, you know, I have been wrong before. So, um, I mean, <laughs> I can't find it right now. So, I, I could take the L for this one if you want me to. Uh, yeah, we can update people on the show next week or whatever. All right. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up with a little MVP action. Cool. Sounds good. Who's going first? Uh, I want to go first because I was very passionate about the steak that I had last night, and I want to name it uh, my MVP, if that's okay. Now, go for how it. How do you did you cook it yourself, or did you go somewhere? No, I cooked it myself, and it was actually an Aldi steak. It was like Ooh. a $9 steak, but it, it was a whole-ass meal. Um, I, uh, I, I made sure it had the nice little grill marks, threw some uh, spicy Montreal steak seasoning on top of it, Attaboy. Uh, whip, whipped up some corn on the cob and had some uh, garlic potatoes that Autumn made, and it was uh, heaven in my mouth. So, uh, yeah, obviously with sports not being back right now, I will continue to name either beers or food, uh, you know, my MVPs. So, What uh, would you cook it at? Like temperature-wise? Like medium well, medium oh, well. Oh, oh, oh. I would probably say it was closer to medium. I, I don't like medium well, and I definitely don't like uh, well. So, oh, like or, a little uh, pink. So, yeah. If you get like a good, like medium rare, like all, oh, there's nothing that beats that. Yeah. Where it just like exactly. melts in your I mouth. Agree. Oh, my God. And honestly, any, anything, cooked, 
Uh, yeah, for sure. Anything cooked medium well and 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 uh, higher, like obviously well and or burnt, uh, you definitely take away from from the uh, flavors, the natural flavors that the steak already has, and any seasonings because you're just you're you're just uh, absorbing it all, and then it's it's just no. So <laughs> it's just no. It's just yeah. no. Very adamant about my steaks, but like, like I said, uh, Autumn and I actually got a grill last week, so maybe the grill will be my MVP for this week. Oh, um, there you we, go. Yeah, we got a co grill. MVP. Yeah, co-MVP is the grill. Uh, it's like Ken Griffey Sr. and Ken Griffey Jr., like one led to the other. Um, but uh, yeah, got the grill, uh, set it up, and then naturally, I almost feel, and I don't, this this is probably a good thing for my well-being in the end, but it's made me eat healthier because I'm, I'm less, less inclined to throw some tots and some nuggets into the air fryer, whereas now I'm like taking time to thoroughly cook a steak or doing a nice burger and things like that. So I don't know. Here's to maybe wellness, but I mean, I'm still eating this more tonight. So no. Hey, Whatever. hey, good thing for the grill here. If, if you want something, I don't know if you're a big seafood guy. I am. Proceed. Have you ever done a country broil? Oh, you know what? Aldi actually had uh, broil bags um, on sale last week. And don't uh, even need them. Don't even don't need them, bud. No, no. All you need is some foil. Oh, All you need is some foil, some red potatoes, andouille sausage, shrimp, onion, and like a sweet pepper of your choosing, like red, yellow, whatever. There's some olive oil in there, some Old Bay spices in there. Old Bay. Hold it up. Throw them suckers on the grill. Let them just cook in their own juices for about 10 minutes. Flip them. Another 10 minutes. Take it off. Fantastic, bud. You'll yep. thank me later. Yep. About to go to the bathroom right now. You just inspired me. <laughs> and then if you want to add a little extra, uh, stop at the store and um, get yourself the Red Red Lobster uh, Cheddar Bay Biscuits. And oh. that'll bring that whole thing all together for you. No, that sounds heavenly. I was honestly... Um looking at making more seafood options i cooked a a, a salmon a uh, couple weeks ago i did that in a skillet that was uh pre-grill era um still turned out really good i uh, was very happy with it but uh you know now now the grill has opened up endless possibilities there you go attaboy jeff you got one or you want me to go next oh i'll go and i know i'm i'm gonna get the all oh, just being a sappy uh sappy idiot on this one but uh my mvp is gonna go to my current girlfriend michelle uh today is her birthday um and wow, you reason- did the podcast yeah. and i did the podcast and this is why she's the mvp because she was asking what my monday looked like that i had did if we were doing the podcast and i said yeah and she knew i hadn't been on for um for two weeks straight she goes well, go ahead, do the podcast, and then we can do something for my birthday on Tuesday. So all the listeners out there, make sure you hit her up on the, on her Facebook and you say thank you for letting me come on the podcast because I was fully planning on having to explain to you two I was going to miss a third week in a row until she said that. So to my, my beautiful girlfriend, Michelle, I want to wish you a happy birthday. It's been a great five months. And thank you for putting up with me and my nonsense because I know I can just be a complete idiot sometimes. So, again, MVP, <laughs> Miss Michelle. That's Here's so to another five months. Right now. Yep. All right. I like that one. But so this is a this is a trend uh, I guess has been going around today because of it being on June 29th. 
um, I guess I think it's a hashtag today called tip, tip the cap or tipping your cap. Um, and it's um, tipping your cap today is for um, to honor the uh, the Negro League that have 40 years of existence from 1920 to uh, 1960 on June 29th, 1920 was the opening day of the, the Negro League um, back then where um, the, the huge color barrier that still kind of exists today, but having that huge color barrier back then where, you know, black people weren't allowed to play in the Major League Baseball League, they create their own league and they had some of the, the greatest baseball that had uh, had been witnessed, at least back then. I mean, Bob Gibson is the one name that kind of, trumps them all when it comes to you know knowing some of these uh baseball players from the negro league so what uh what a lot of people have been doing um especially three former presidents um they have been taking photos of tipping their cap whether they just have their hand on the on the tip of the cap while on their head or if you have it just off while holding it and just looking into the camera like so put your favorite team put your favorite team on your head um take a photo take a selfie or whatever just put hashtag tipping your cap um, to a great league that kind of paved the way um, for um, black players in the future to join the Major League Baseball Association. Like guys like uh, Henry Aaron, who started off with the Indianapolis Clowns in 1951 at 17 years old. Um, his nickname was Pork Chops because it was the only thing he knew how to order off the menu. Um, so, you know, tip your cap. We salute you to the Negro League and the great 40 years of existence that it had in, um, well, not our lifetime, but anyone else who who maybe got to uh, got to watch it. And we just, I don't know, tip your cap to them. How about it? How about it? Take it off my hat right now. All right. This has been the Icy Takes podcast. We hope you have enjoyed every living second of this recording. Um, you can like us on Facebook. Uh, Icy Takes with Zach, Jeff, and Big Dave. Follow us on Twitter at Icy Takes, I-C-E-Y Takes, all together, one word, and that's the way we like to spell it. Follow the personal Twitters at Big underscore Dave 52. At Zach Morris 82. At Chris underscore 51. Like our Lord and Savior, amen. We will be back next week. Hopefully we didn't go off the rails too much, but if we did, we hope you enjoyed it. So until next week, stay icy.